all this morning, and um, such a joy to be able to get together to worship our risen Lord today. So if you've been journeying with us the past few weeks, you recall that we have been dwelling with the Israelites in the land of Egypt. That's where God's people have been enslaved by the powerful Egyptian empire for a whole 430 years. And Yahweh the Lord, he hears the cries of the Israelites, and like a mother who jumps up to help her crying baby, the Lord springs into action to help his hurting children. And God sends Moses, the once baby crying in a river, now a grown man and chosen as God's mouthpiece, to call Pharaoh to repentance from his oppressive ways, and to bring the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt. But if you recall from last week, Pharaoh's heart is hard toward God. He refuses to let God's people go, so God sends nine plagues so far, nine warnings to Pharaoh, nine opportunities for him to soften his heart and repent of his sins. Yet Pharaoh's heart just grows harder and harder, and he continues to live under this delusion that he can do whatever he wants and not be held accountable. He lives under this delusion that he is greater than God himself. So that's when God sends a tenth and final plague. Now up to this point, the suffering of the other nine plagues have been lifted, but this final plague will be different. This final plague will be permanent. This final plague will send a cry throughout Egypt that no one had heard before or ever will again. But before this plague happens, God has instructions for his people, the Israelites. These are instructions for how to prepare for this plague, instructions that will literally save their lives, instructions that will actually give them birth, into a brand new life altogether. And these are those instructions he gives. Hear now the word of the Lord from Exodus 12. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month shall mark for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. Tell the whole congregation of Israel that on the 10th of this month, they are to take a lamb for each family, a lamb for each household. If a household is too small for a whole lamb, it shall join its closest neighbor in obtaining one. The lamb shall be divided in proportion to the number of people who eat it. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a year-old male. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats." You shall keep it until the 14th day of this month. Then the whole assembled congregation of Israel shall slaughter it at twilight. They shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lentil of the houses in which they eat. They shall eat the lamb that night. They shall eat it roasted over the fire with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. Do not eat any of it raw or boiled in water but roasted over fire with its head, legs, and inner organs. You shall let none of it remain until the morning. Anything that remains until the morning you shall burn. This is how you shall eat it. 
your loins girded, your sandals on your feet, your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it hurriedly. It is the Passover of the Lord. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike down every firstborn in the land of Egypt, both human beings and animals. On all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you live. When I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague shall destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. This day shall be a day of remembrance for you. You shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord. Throughout your generations, you shall observe it as a perpetual ordinance. We skip down now to verse 21. Then Moses called all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go, select lambs for your families and slaughter the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop, dip it in the blood that is in the basin, and touch the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. None of you shall go outside the door of your house until morning. For the Lord will pass through to strike down the Egyptians. When he sees the blood on the lintel and the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over that door and will not allow the destroyer to enter your house to strike you down. You shall observe this rite as a perpetual ordinance for you and your children. When you come to the land that the Lord will give you as he has promised, you shall keep this observance. And when your children ask you, what do you mean by this observance? You shall say, it is the Passover sacrifice to the Lord. For he has passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt when he struck down the Egyptians but spared our houses. And the people bowed down and worshipped. This is the word of the Lord. Well, this tenth and final plague from Yahweh, it brings really wonderful news for the Israelites. For it is after this plague that Pharaoh, in fear of Yahweh, he finally lets the Israelites go. The Egyptians even hand over their silver and gold to the Israelites as they exit. And after this Passover event, the Israelites are free. After 430 years, they are finally free and headed toward the promised land. This Passover event, it reveals to the Israelites that even the greatest of evils, even the greatest oppression that feels completely unconquerable, completely inescapable, even that has no chance against the power of Yahweh. Yahweh the Lord always wins. He always wins. And that is very good news. That is the very good news that they celebrate in the Passover, that we celebrated the Lord's Supper. But this good news, let us beware, also carries a warning. It is a warning not just to the Egyptians, but also to all of the Israelites, to all of us who will follow as God's people, that God is a God of justice. God will not overlook the mistreatment of others, whether that means we are the powerful instigators like Pharaoh, or whether we are those who just stand idly by, like the Egyptian people did, watching, benefiting from the oppression of others, 
but never speaking up against it. Whoever we are, if we willingly stand on the side of oppression, the judgment of Yahweh awaits. And that's a warning we dare not heed lightly. But that judgment of God, it is also very, very good news, my friends. That judgment of God is very good news because it means that evil will not prevail. God will put an end to it. Injustice and oppression of all kinds will be defeated by Yahweh, and that includes the greatest oppressor of all, which is death itself. And that's why God tells the Israelites to celebrate this Passover meal as a perpetual ordinance throughout all generations. They are to celebrate this meal in order to remember the Lord's power, his saving acts, to remember it is the Lord who has saved them from death, not only saved them, but given them new life. Friends, that's what this first Passover was. It was the birth of God's people. It was their birth as a nation. Out of the dark womb of Egypt where they grew and multiplied, they are now delivered by blood and through the waters of the Nile. They are delivered as a nation. Once slaves, now free. That's why the opening verses say, This month shall mark for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. This is the first day of your life, God is saying. This is your birthday. Celebrate. Celebrate strongly, for I am bringing you out. I am delivering you to new life. In this birth, they are to be reminded, it is not their own power, like an infant can't just bring itself out by its own power. It's by the power of God. It is a miraculous event. This escape from death and oppression to life and freedom, it is all by the power of God. God says, when you have left here, when you have entered the promised land, never forget. Never forget this saving event. Never forget who you are, where you are. All that you have is all a pure gift from the Lord. That's why the Lord tells them to celebrate this as a perpetual ordinance throughout all generations, so that they will never forget. Well, I'm going to lighten it up here a little bit with my friend Dora. Anyone familiar with Dora the Explorer? Okay, so this is my uh, daughter Lillian's uh, favorite series, Dora the Explorer, currently. And recently I was reading her uh, this one, Dora in Wonderland, which is just a spinoff of the famous Alice in Wonderland. So in this story, Dora, who becomes Alice, she is partway through her journey and she approaches a forgetful forest. Anyone familiar with this story? So as she approaches the forgetful forest, a cat, the Cheshire cat, gives her some advice. He says, be careful. In the forgetful forest, you can forget all kinds of things. It's important to remember who you are what you want, and where you're going. In the forgetful forest, you can forget all kinds of things, so remember who you are, what you want, and where you're going. I read these lines of Dora and thought, 
Wow. Nailed it. That is the Passover meal. That is the Lord's Supper. The whole world is our forgetful forest. So we must remember who we are, what we want, and where we're going. The whole world is a forgetful forest. And so this meal helps us to remember for the Israelites celebrating the Passover meal, these questions were answered for them again and again. Who are you? We are God's people, freed, saved, given life by the power of God. What do you want? We want freedom. Remember, we were once slaves. We want freedom, and that just comes from life with God. Freedom only comes from life with God, so we want life with God. And where are we going? The promised land. For remember, God has promised us to take us to a land full of God's blessings, where we will live as his people in peace. Past, present, and future, all summed up in one meal. So if God wants the Israelites to remember, why doesn't he just use words? Why doesn't he just keep talking and talking and say, just, just keep telling the story? Well, that's definitely part of it. We are supposed to keep telling the story over and over and over. But God is really smart. Did you know that? <laughs> God knows that we need more than just words. We are holistic beings. So God communicates to us through more than just words. You want to know what the strongest sense of memory is for human beings? Anyone know? I heard it. Smell, yeah, smell is your strongest sense of memory. That's why when we miss someone, whether they are away, whether they have passed away, we are drawn to get their clothes and smell them or to grab a bottle of their perfume or cologne because that scent, more than anything else, makes us feel like they're there. It reminds us of their being. Our other senses, like taste and touch, they work in a similar way. Our bodies carry memories that our words can't even express. We are holistic beings. So when God instructs his people to remember, he gives them a meal. A meal that includes all of their senses, their smell, their taste, their touch that will go along with the story. And this is the meal that reminds them who they are, what they want, where they're going as they travel through the forgetful forest of life. In this meal, the bitter herbs in verse 8, they're a sensory reminder of their bereavement and suffering as slaves. The flatbread that's made without yeast is a bread of haste and readiness. It's a reminder that the Lord's deliverance came so quickly that they didn't even have time to let the bread rise. The instructions for cooking the lamb are very specific. Verse 9, neither raw nor boiled. The waters of Egypt have been a source of death. The Israelites must leave those waters of death behind. Instead, they shall cook their meal in the fire, a reminder of the fire of God's presence in the burning bush, a foreshadowing of the fire that will lead them through the wilderness to new life. 
When they eat of the lamb, they shall leave nothing over, verse 10. There will be no waiting, no holding back, no returning. And as for the people, they shall eat with their loins girded, sandals on their feet, staff in hand, and in haste, verse 11. In other words, they need to eat this ready to run ready to sprint from death to life. You wondered why this passage was so long. Because it's so long because there is detail packed into all of the elements of the meal. And every detail is significant. And this is how God instructs them to eat not only that first Passover, but every Passover meal that is to come for generation upon generation. And the reason is because the Passover was a reminder not just of what had happened in the past, but of their hope for the future. God's people believed that the Lord would act again on their behalf, just as he had done in Egypt, in order to bring them full and final deliverance. Lord, you did it once. We trust that you're going to do it again. Remembrance and hope. And as we see in verse 26, this meal was a central teaching tool of the children. Any of you here teachers or have small children? I know you do, yes. And how do children learn best? Their whole bodies, their whole bodies, right? And I think that's actually not true just of children, but of adults too. And God knows that. God's our perfect parent, our perfect teacher. He knows that. So he gives us a whole-bodied meal to teach us, to remind us, children and adults alike, of who we are, what we want, and where we're going. There's one last element of the Passover that we haven't yet covered. It's the element of central importance. Have you noticed which hasn't been covered yet? Anyone? We awake? Whole-bodied experience. Yes? <laughs> the lamb. It's the lamb. I haven't mentioned it yet. So for each Passover meal, every household or group of households, note that this isn't an individual experience. This is a communal salvation experience. Every group, household group, is to take a one-year-old lamb without blemish and slaughter it. At twilight. And the blood of the lamb they are to put on the doorposts with a um, hyssop branch. This act, my friends, this putting the blood on their doorframe, that was their confession of faith. This act showed their trust in God's promise. It showed their trust that God was telling the truth when he said, if you hide yourself under the blood of this lamb, you will be protected from death. If you hide yourself under the blood of this lamb, you will be brought from slavery to freedom. But you have to hide yourself under the blood of the lamb. And God's word is clear throughout all of this. This Passover is the Lord's. There was nothing the Israelites could do to achieve freedom on their own. Nothing they could do to protect themselves from the plague of death. But the Lord promises, I will do it for you. If you hide yourself under the blood of the Lamb, I will free you. I will protect you. But you have to trust me. To show that trust, 
put blood on your doorposts and stay hidden under the blood of the lamb. Now fast forward about 1,000 years later. We meet a man named Jesus, an Israelite, who gathers with his fellow Israelite disciples to celebrate this Passover meal, this main story of salvation and deliverance of God's people. And Jesus is presiding over the meal as all Passovers were done. The presider was instructed to explain what this meal meant, to explain the story before they partook just as we do at this table. But as Jesus is telling the story, his disciples notice something different. When Jesus takes the loaf of bread and breaks it, his words are new. Luke 22, this is my body, which is given for you. The cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. And that's perhaps when the disciples noticed that something else was different about this meal, too. The lamb was gone. There's the bread, there's the cup, but the Gospels mention no lamb at the meal. But the lamb is the very center of the Passover meal, Jesus. How could you forget the lamb? Well, the lamb is there. The lamb is the very one hosting the meal. The lamb is Jesus. And Jesus is communicating this new message. All of God's promises guaranteed by the Passover lamb, they're now being fulfilled through Jesus. It is Jesus Christ who is the unblemished Lamb of God who will soon be sacrificed for their deliverance and for ours. It is the blood of Jesus, the Lamb, who will bring about the end to all the seemingly endless evil and oppression in the world and in our hearts. It is the blood of Jesus that moves us from slavery to freedom. It is the blood of Jesus that covers us, protecting us from death and ushering us into new life. Jesus is the lamb of the meal. This is why in John 6, Jesus says these words, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, You have no life in you. Friends, partaking of the Lord's Supper is our regular altar call. This meal is Jesus' regular invitation to us to once again declare our trust over and over in his saving blood. Just as Yahweh called the Israelites to act, to physically put the blood of the lamb over their doorposts, So does God call us to act, to express our faith in him by physically partaking of this meal, a sign of our trust in the saving power of Jesus' blood. So Jesus invites you to come. Come to the table and remember who you are. Remember that you were once a slave to sin, now free 
once under the curse of death, now brought to life. Remember who you are. And remember what you want. Freedom. Life with God. Communion with God. What you were made for. And remember where you are going. You're going to a final promised land, a new creation in which God will reign in fullness, a new land where evil, sin, oppression, and death will be no more. So come, eat, drink, and believe that Jesus is the Lamb of God slain for you. Let us pray.